This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. As I do each week, I want to thank Rabbi Shabtai for giving me the opportunity to learn together with you in preparation for this week's Shabbos. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Korach. A lot to talk about in Parsha's Korach. So many different dimensions, different areas of uh, concern, different elements to to uh, unpack. And today we're going to try to understand um, the reaction or the onesh, the punishment that HaKadosh Baruch Hu deems is appropriate for Korach. And to try to understand why it's an appropriate punishment, because if you think about it on the surface, it seems to be somewhat unusual to most of the types of Averos, Chataim, iniquities, transgressions that people generally violate they don't normally receive this type of threat and this type of punishment. And it's incumbent upon us to try to understand on a deep, in a deeper way why it was that HaKadosh Baruch Hu chose to mete out this punishment in this way. So we're going to pick up with uh, page Tzadi Dalid, Chomer HaChet Shal Korach, where the Os Aleph is, that's the first page. And we'll see if we could try to learn together, piece together an understanding of why this punishment that HaKadosh Baruch Hu chose was in fact so appropriate for that which Korach attempted to do. So if you'll take a look, he says as follows. Moshe Rabbeinu confronts Korach and says, if I am in fact correct, you will see that I was chosen by Hashem, that I didn't decide these things arbitrarily on my own. If a person dies a normal death, this is actually an asmachta source for the mitzvah of Bikr Cholim, which we're not going to get into right now. But if you know you are visited by death like everybody else, then you will know that I was not sent by Hashem. However, Vimbria, Yivra Hashem, but if HaKadosh Baruch Hu performs this supernatural miracle, Patsisa Adamas, Pia, and the earth opens up Ubalosam and swallows all them up, and everything that belongs to them, they're going to go down under. Vidatem, the you will know, you will know that it's not that they were fighting, that they were arguing, that they were disputing me, but in fact, they were trying to dispute, to confront, to argue with the Ribbon Shalom himself. That is kind of what I call the showdown that takes place between Moshe and Korach Vadoso. Asks the Nesiva Shalom, the following several questions. Tzarech Bir, we need to try to understand, says the Slanam Rebbe. Says the Slanam Rebbe, there are a number of people throughout the Torah, in its narrative, that committed Averos, some pretty serious Averos. And yet Korach is the only one that is threatened with and ultimately experiences this supernatural, out of the ordinary, completely different and very severe response of having the entire earth open, swallowing him, his, the people who are with him, and all of their belongings. Why? Why is that? Right? He gets this, this completely different type of onesh, this uh, type of punishment. There are many other more severe, more heinous crimes. And yet, there the Torah does not mention anything about this very serious, this supernatural consequence. And we have to try to understand why. We also have to see 
The Pasuk says, Shenemar Moshe, by way of Hashem, warns everybody else to stay as far away from Korach and his Ada as you possibly can. Don't even come near them. Don't touch them. Have no physical contact. Stay as far away from them as you possibly can. Why? Shalom Atzino Kozos. We don't see anywhere else. We don't see later on. We don't see anything in terms of uh, all the different types of situations by Dustin and Aviram. No one says, don't get close to them. Don't touch them. All of a sudden, Korach stays far away from them as possibly can. What's Pshat? That's question number two. Another thing we have to try to understand. Right, it says, separate yourselves from this evil nation, this evil component to Klaisar, this congregation, because they are going to be consumed kereg in a matter of seconds. What's going on? Why are we even pushing it off for a second? Why do we have to meet out? Why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu say that this punishment has to be meted out? The response has to be so instantaneous without any type of delay. Again, most of the situations in which someone or a group of people do something that is not compatible with our values or our judicial system or the Torah, there is a conversation, there is a dialogue, even times Moshe Rabbeinu will advocate on their behalf, and even if then ultimately there is a punishment that is in place, it's not Terega. Why so quick? Why the haste in response? Question number three. And finally, question number four. Right, not only was Korach and those people going to be punished, but the wives and children were also going to be punished. The Nesiv Shalom says, where do we see such a thing before? We don't see that before. Shari Bezin Shamata, when it comes to the courts down here, when they've hit the age in which they can be considered adults, up there, until you hit 20, you're not responsible for your chaton. <clears throat> Why all of a sudden are we saying that the women and children have to suffer the same consequence as the husbands and fathers? Where do we ever see such precedent of the way in which HaKadosh Baruch Hu uh, conducts himself when it comes to schar va'onesh, when it comes to reward and punishment, that we're going to punish what otherwise we would consider to be the innocent ones, the wives and children? So the Nesiva Shalom asks four really spot-on, fantastic questions that behooves and it is incumbent upon us to try to understand. Number one, why such an out-of-the-ordinary, extraordinary, supernatural response? Number two, why can't we get near these people? Why all of a sudden do we have to distance ourselves? Number three, why Karega? Why such haste? Why such a quick response? And number four, why all of a sudden are we punishing the innocent uh, components of our nation, the wives and children, otherwise we would never include them in any punishment? Those are the questions that the Nesiva Shalom asks. And he provides an unbelievable insight that I think speaks volumes not only about this particular episode, but we need to take to heart in our respective communities. Listen to what the Nesiva Shalom says. Vabir Bazet. The explanation goes as follows. There are some times in which the Torah itself on the surface does not expose us to the severity of what's going on. 
But yet, when you dig a little deeper and you think about what the essence of what they're doing, what's driving them to make these decisions and to conduct themselves in these ways, oftentimes that exposes things that are even more difficult or more severe than some things that we know that are explicit in the Torah. And he gives you the following example. We know the Medrash Rabbi tells us, the Gemara in Sanhedrin, the Medrash Rabbin, and Bamidbar tells us that anybody that argues on their Rav, their Rebbe, it's as if it is considered to be that you are being cholik, that you are disputing the Rabbonu Shlola. The Cholam Misra'im al Rabbo, one who complains about their Rebbe, Kim Misra'im al Hashchina. It's like he's complaining about Hashem. The Cholam Maharher but one who follows, one who uh, conforms to the instructions of their Rav, their Rebbe, Kim Maharher so too it's equivalent that one who follows after the HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the Nesim HaShem says, wait a second, what's this equivalence? How can you say that if I follow my Rebbe, it's like I'm following HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and if I dispute my Rebbe, it's like I'm disputing HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It seems to be a little bit of an equitable balance. They're not playing on the same playing field. The Rebona Shalom and Erev, as great as the Rabbanim are, they're certainly not on the same level as the Rebona Shalom. How can the Gemara and the Medrash seem to equate them? And he says as follows. The Pasuk says that we are to cling to the Rebona Shalom. And the Gemara Ksuvis and the Medrash and the Tanchuma say, How is it possible that we should cling to the Shechina? It's impossible. We know that if we get too close to the Shechina itself, we will be burned up. What it means, it doesn't mean literally cling, cling to the Shechina. It can't be. What it means is to cling to the Tamidei Chachamim. When you cling to a Rav, when you choose for yourself a Rav who you, you use that will guide you, that will serve as your moral and ethical compass, the one who will be the reservoir in which you glean from all the hadrach and guidance, that will serve as the conduit to cling to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Really clinging to the Rebona Shalom is really the objective of all Torah. The whole purpose of all the mitzvahs that we do are to cling to Hashem. The whole purpose, the whole reason we exist is to ultimately achieve that goal of clinging to Hashem. And for that reason, going ahead and explains the Nesiva Shalom, if the whole purpose is to achieve the goal of clinging to Hashem, doing the mitzvahs, but the primary conduit, the primary bridge, that which serves as our connector towards the Rebbe Shalom is clinging to our Tamid HaChachamim. If you understand that, says the Nesiv HaShalom, now we can understand the Gemaras. A person who disputes his Rebbe is severing that tie between not only him and his Rebbe, but he's also severing that tie between him and the Shechina. A person who goes and he complains is also doing so. A person who goes ahead and has a munas chachamim, a person who clings to tamide chachamim, will ultimately serve as the conduit to bring him closer to Hashem. And so on and so forth. So he says as follows. 
to begin this conversation. And then Siva Shalom says that we have a mitzvah uvo sidbak. We have a mitzvah to cling to the Ribbon Shalom. We can't actually cling to the Ribbon Shalom. Hashem does not have a physical comport. There's no way to literally physically connect to him. We cannot cling to him in that way. And so therefore, what does it mean? So the Gemara says, Vosidbak means cling to the Tamid Chachamim. And by clinging to the Tamid Chachamim, you will thereby cling to the Ribbon Shalom. And therefore, a person who follows his Rebbe, Follows the Shechina. A person who complains about his Rebbe, a person who's cholik on his Rebbe, is creating that severance, is divesting, is divorcing himself from the Shechina because it's the Rebbe, it's the Rav that serves as that connection to concretize the relationship and then clinging you're going to have with Hashem. Rabbi Brand is wondering what in the world does this have to do with Korach? Here we go. It is so unbelievable. What a sweet insight, says the Nesiva Shalom. Here we go. Korach. And that is the chait of Korach. Shamar ki kol ha'eda kulam kidoshim. Korach says, there's nothing unique about, uh, unique about the Tamid Echachamim. We're all kadosh. Why are you, Moshe and Aaron, raising yourselves above the rest of the Kehillah? In reality, Korach didn't really have a time on Hashem to begin with, because Moshe never raised himself up. He was the most humble individual of all. It was Hashem who raised him up. Nevertheless, You know what the problem with Korach was? Do you know how serious of an Avera Korach transgressed? It wasn't Stam that he was creating Machlokas. That was bad enough. But he was trying to undermine what it means to have Emunas Chachamim. He was trying to undercut. He was trying to cut the legs from under the way in which our religion has survived over the last 3,300 years. Without strong Gedolei Yisrael Tamid Chachamim who provide Hadrach and Halacha in Hashkafa, in every walk of life, if you undercut that, you undercut the entire religion. There's no Mesorah anymore. It's not just about Machlokes anymore that Korach was simply disputing Moshe and Aaron about his positioning and what he was entitled to. He was simply saying, there's no one greater than anyone. We are just as good as you are. We also can do everything you can do. And it's simply not the case. What has allowed the Jewish people to not just survive but thrive is understanding the critical component, having that solid fundamental recognition of emunas chachamim. And when he went, Korach says, I want no part of that. And I'm going to publicize and I'm going to advocate. We don't need rabbis. We don't need Chachamim. We don't need people who are going to guide us. Lama Tisnasu, why are you any greater than I am? I can lead myself. My friend can lead him, himself. And we don't need any Chachamim, Gedoli, Yisrael, Sanhedrin. We don't need a judicial process that manages different parts of ensuring that we are all observing the Torah and that we're following the Ratzon of Hashem. We can all make our own decisions. We don't need uh, an arbiter. We don't need somebody who's going to pass the Messorah and be a link in the chain. We can all do it ourselves. That, says the Nesiva Shalom, is the problem here. The problem was he was cholik al-rabo, and if you're cholik al-rabo, you're also cholik on the Shechina. And therefore, with this, now we can understand why HaKadosh Baruch Hu had to have such an unusual and such a severe way of responding. He needed to show the world, I will never tolerate this type of thought process. And that's what he says. 
There's no greater hate, there's no greater, more serious offense than trying to undo our Mesorah. The Mesorah is at everything that we have to do. It's the core of everything that we've been able to do. Our survival is contingent on having our Mesorah locked in and cemented. You're going to go ahead and you're going to start playing around with that? Says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I'm going to need to do something that everybody's going to see is not normal, that everybody's going to see is extraordinary, to testify to the fact when you mess with the Mesorah, I'm going to take you out. I'm not just going to take you out. I'm going to take your aid out. I'm going to swallow all of you up so that everybody else realizes not only the people who are there watching, but all of us who are going to read it year in and year out to acknowledge and recognize that no one's going to mess with the Mesorah Hashem. No one's going to mess with the passing the Shalshelah HaMesorah that link in our chain. This type of thought process is more serious is more strict, is more stringent than so many other Averas we could have come up with. needed to do something grandiose. He needed to do something to demonstrate he was not going to tolerate this type of behavior and lest somebody in the future think that he's going to try to replicate this type of thought process, know what you're going to be going up against. And therefore says the Nesiv that's why this Avera of all Averos needed to have such a severe consequence. But we're not done yet. Listen to this. Now we can understand why the Torah says, don't get near these people. Why, so why did he do it if in fact, at the end of the day, HaKadosh Baruch meets out a justice system? He says the following. This is a word, by the way, I had to look up the word midabekes. Right? Anybody know what the word midabekes means? It means contagious. This type of machla, not coronavirus, the machla of trying to undo emunas chachamim is contagious. You sit at a Shabbos table, you start to talk about the Rav's drosha, the whole Shabbos table starts to say all the bad things they don't like about the rabbi. It's contagious when a person starts to play around with emunas chachamim. So you know what Hashem says? Al tigu, you know what? If you're going to start playing around with Amunas Chachamin and it's going to dre and it's going to have a domino effect and it's going to impact future discussions and you're going to start putting ideas in other people's heads that didn't yet exist, Hashem says, stay far away from those people. It's contagious. It is so damaging. It can kill people literally and figuratively. And so therefore that's why the Torah says, Al tigu. And that's also why Hashem had to go ahead and do it kirega. He said, I'm not going to delay for a second. The Jewish people need to see both during that period of time and anybody who reads it subsequently that we are going to deal with this immediately, instantaneously. We cannot play around with the disruption of Emunas Chachamim. We cannot play around with our Mesorah. The Mesorah is what's kept us intact and has allowed us not only to survive but thrive over the last 3,300 years. We're not going to play around with this for even one more second than we have to. And so therefore, that's why the Torah says, Kirega, I'm going to do it right away. And that's also says the Nesiva Shomi. If you look down, right-hand paragraph on page Sadi, hey, he says, Now you understand why we had to meet out this punishment to the children and the women as well. You know what Korach did? 
Korach created an environment where this was acceptable. The children were sitting at the Shabbos table listening to their parents be Malsh in the Rav and they thought that's totally normal. That's acceptable. Says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in that type of situation, I'm not going to be able to uh, cause the children to forget about those conversations. They're going to grow up just like their parents. They're going to try to disrupt our Mesorah, the Amunas Chachamim, which is such an imperative, pivotal part of our survival. Says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, in this one unique circumstance, I'm going to eliminate the women and children as well. Because this type of thing, as opposed to so many other Averos that we would have thought are so much more serious, this type of thing could literally be the end of the Jewish people. The minute we disrupt, the minute we undo, the minute we cut the legs from under our rabbis, our Chachamim, our Sanhedrin, Kalal Yisrael is in big, big trouble. And so therefore, says the Nesiv Hashem, that's why he had to respond with such a, an extraordinary type of uh, punishment. That's why he stays far away from them because this is very contagious. That's why we had to go and we had to uh, eliminate the children. That's why it had to be responded to so quickly without any delay so that we would realize there's no negotiation when it comes to responding to this type of act. And if you'll skip down to the left-hand paragraph, he says, as he always does, as part of the approach of the Nesiva Shalom in general, that we don't have anything in our Torah that's just a story. It's not Sipuri Be'alma, but rather anything in the Torah is Nitzchi. Everything in the Torah is eternal. So what are we to learn from this? This is what the Torah is coming to teach us. The Torah is teaching us. We have to realize that it's the Talmidei Chachamim, not just then, but in every single generation, we have to do Uvo Sidbak. We have to connect to, we have to cling to, we have to be so careful and sensitive to how we speak about our rabbis, how we speak about our educators, how we speak about our Mechanachim. We have to realize they are the secret to our ability to connect to the Rebona Shalom. But more than that, if for whatever reason you're not ready to connect to the Rebona Shalom in the way we are supposed to, realize if you do the opposite, if you start to undermine them, if you start to be in them, if you start to try to undercut them, understand you're not just messing with that rabbi. You're messing with the Rebona Shalom. A person who disputes, who undermines, who argues with, who is malshin. A Rav realize HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes that as a personal offense. And so therefore, just as Korach, unfortunately, had to be the recipient of these very severe consequences, we too have to look at it from both angles. On the one end of Osidbak, look at it from the positive and realize that we need to use our rabbis to serve as a conduit to connect and to cement that relationship we have with our Kaddish Baruch Hu. And even if for whatever reason you're not one of those people that's super comfortable about rabbis, around rabbis, realize if you do the opposite, if you get yourself into a situation where you're malshin, you try to undermine, you try to undercut, understand there are going to be some very severe consequences. It's a powerful lesson as we go through these times, which hopefully all of us realize, when you look at the Gedolei Yisrael, whether it's Rav Asher Weiss or Rav Shechter or Chaim Kanievsky or whoever, who are dealing with incredible shilas over the last three or four months and you realize how precious these people are in our lives, that we have to realize how privileged we are to have them in our lives and we have to take those relationships even more seriously to ensure that we continue to use them to strengthen our relationship with Hashem and not, God forbid, to result in some severe consequences. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.